Welcome to Across the Park Podcast, a football podcast on both Everton and Liverpool Football Club, produced by six mates, the three Reds, Gary, Phil and Terry, and the three Blues, myself, Milsey, Judgy and Craig. Each Monday, we release our latest show. We will discuss the ongoing matters with both teams, whether it be good or bad, opposing views, opinions, banter and debate. We are proud to be a family-friendly football podcast and you can find more about us on our website, www.acrosstheparkpodcast.co.uk. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a show on your preferred podcast listening app and make sure you give us a follow on our social media. Twitter is Across the Park PC, Instagram is Across the Park PC and Facebook search Across the Park. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Today's podcast is brought to you by Camper Kings. Coronavirus has got us all thinking about UK holidays and what better way to do that than in a camper van. Have the adventure of a lifetime in one of Camper Kings' high-end luxury camper vans. Check them out on Instagram at camperkings underscore NW or on the website at www.camperkings.co.uk. Prices start from just £85 per night. So book now and quote Across the Park podcast for free insurance and a free bottle of champagne during the month of September. Hello, welcome to episode three of season 2021 of the Cross the Park podcast. A lot to get through this week's show. We've got Premier League games, Carabao Cup games to preview and review. One club at least has been active in the transfer in the transfer window. Another club looks to be rumoured to be so. We've got the fantasy football and lots of social media to get into as well. Myself, Millsy, alongside Judgy of the Two Blues, Phil and Terry of the Two Reds. Uh, Judgy, we kicked off first this weekend, so... Let's get right into our game. We will cover the Salford game after this because I think it leads into the Fleetwood game this week. But West Brom are home on Saturday. We on the podcast last week said that we thought that they may come out because they got a hard enough Leicester. They, they did. Um, lots of positives for me. But first of all, the only negative is I don't think we defended very, very well in the first half, 11 v 11. Is that fair? Yeah, it's very fair, yeah. Um, and, and I know there's, there's going to be one player in particular that both of us are going to highlight and that's Yeri Mina but before we get to Yeri Mina I think the midfield looked particularly vulnerable um, obviously the the, um, the game against Tottenham to a certain extent when you're playing it playing a diamond and you know we, we said it was a diamond but we also had at times a 4-5-1 where Richarlison was playing wide left and we had five right across the middle I think it's quite easy to set up when you're defending deep and, and, and you, you put men behind the ball it's easier to occupy the smaller spaces in between the lines. But because we were coming out and being a bit more expansive, it did expose us a little bit in the in the middle of the pitch. And even in the wide areas, I mean Dean Garner was picking up all kinds of all kinds of pockets of space all over the pitch. So yeah, I, I think it's fair to say, although Yenny Mina is a player who's going to come in for some criticism or, or as already and will do from me and you, I think it's fair to say he didn't get that much protection from the midfield. Um, there was gaps all over the show. I think the I think the first goal. I think you're right in mentioning Yeri Mina. I think he backed off. It was like he owed the lad money. Basically, <laughs> he backed off and backed off. Um, could Jordan Pickford have done better? I've seen a split argument on our social media from the Blues. Some say mm. no. Some say yeah. I think Jordan Pickford for the rest of his Everton career is going to have that now. I think that's going to yeah. stick with him. He's going to have that split. But for me, Yeri Mina has to do a lot better. There was about 20 yards there when he backed off, and I understand the. The idea behind backing off because it, it lets you keep it getting into position. It, it lets other men get back and help you. But mm. you've got to make a split. You've got to make a judgment call of who's running at you. Is it someone who's going to get in behind you? If not, then go at him. You know, I, I don't think the I mean, guy wouldn't that mean it was causing that much of a threat until Mina allowed him to be in a position to shoot. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, he, he drops into that little pocket, doesn't he, where the midfielders haven't quite picked him up and the centre-backs are not going to come that far. But you're right, once he's run towards goal, I think generally centre-backs rule is they're not going to let him enter the area. And I think that, that would be, to a certain extent, his argument that, look, if he, if he got close to the, the actual area, I was going to stop and I'll engage him then. But, you know, just to go back to your previous points, most centre-backs would expect the goalkeeper to be, to be saving an effort from outside the area. I think it's a good strike. I think it's a little bit harsh to, to be pinning the blame on Pickford when he's travelled so far with the ball, like you say, and, and yet he mean has allowed him to get a shot in. In terms of him knowing the player he was up against, I think that many defenders know Grady Ghana. I mean, I'd like to think that Ancelotti and his team would have done their own work, and, and he was their, one of their main threats last season. Um, should he be doing more to try and force him down the, the left-hand side and, and not allow him onto his right foot? Maybe, um, but I think in general, there's a, there's a lot of things wrong there. Like you say, starting with the fact that he's picked up a, a position on the pitch where he's, where he's picked the ball up, where you know the, neither the midfield or the, or the forwards have picked him up. That, sorry, the defenders have picked him up. I think that's the first thing that should have happened. Um, Clay, I, I don't think you know, Mina should be coming that far out to get him. I think you've got a problem when you, you've got a player who's got that much pace he's allowed to pick the ball up from Deacon. Once he's running at you, it doesn't matter who you are. It, it's, hard to, it's hard to defend that. Um, I think, can, I, can I just ask on that? So, obviously, I, I watched your game. and <clears throat> is, there an, is there an argument? And this is not a criticism just for just on Keane because it's between him and Mina. But when you're watching that, you see the players like running at, at Mina and he's dropping, he's dropping. Michael Keane can see the picture. You know what I mean? He's sort of behind Mina. Like coming across, should he not? Who's who's running that line? Should should he not be saying, close it, like close the ball, you know, so that Mina can step, knowing that Keane can cover him if he gets past him, because there's a fullback coming back as well. Your your fullback's coming back to cover the player that's running down towards Michael Keane, so Keane's got a bit more of a picture in front of him than Mina does, who's obviously you know under pressure straight away. And is is it not a little bit of a communication? And maybe it's because Mina hasn't played much football with injuries mm-hmm. and stuff. But when I'm watching that goal, I'm thinking. If, that, if I'm playing in that centre-half pair and I want the other player, you can see a bit more of the picture to say to me, you go with Terry and I'll, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll, I'll sweep or whatever. And you see the, the pair of them are dropping. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, but Keane can see more of the picture. So it's like, why is he not saying step out? You know, to, to sort I, of like... It's a, it's a fair point. We, we, have, we have lacked that, that leader and that authority figure. And I, don't, I think everyone's conceded to a certain extent that Keane's never going to be that player. He, he's led a little bit more by example with his actions in recent weeks. And I think that's just the player he is. You know, he, he, he goes and dominates in the air. I don't think many, many Everton fans or critics in general can really have a go at Keane of how dominant he's been in the air over the last six months, both the end of last season and this season. But certainly... When there's players with pace and, and, and several players with pace and players with good movement, I think he does struggle to, to make a decisive decision, not only for himself, but for players around him. Um, and that's, that's been a glaring hole in the Everton defensive armour for quite some time. Having someone who's going to be that decisive when you've mm-hmm. got players who, who you know offer a different threat. But to, to kind of touch on your other points, I feel that's a tactical thing. I think when you've got both your centre-backs that are both consciously dropping off the way they did I think that's an instruction from the manager for me um, yeah. that we, we don't go and press too high when you've got to play with pace or this is the way we're going to play against them and, and, I mean that's, that's my yeah. feeling on it and he did criticise the defence but he didn't cri- criticise 
the personnel of defence. He just said the defender in general, you know, in terms of out of possession. Um, we'll soon see, you know, we will see, you know, in time whether that is the case. But when you've got both defenders that are dropping like that, my feeling is it's a bit more of an instruction than, than anything else. But don't get me wrong, individually, if that's me or any defender up against that, it was far too easy for them to get a shot away. It, it, seemed, it seemed to knock us stuffing out of us for five or ten minutes as well because they hit the post not, not long after that and it was a it was a very similar move where they, where they broke from the central and, and we backed off and we seemed to we seemed to be 10 or 15 minutes there to be a bit out of sorts. So, so I think it knocked us stuffing out of us a little bit. Um, but but look, I'd, I'd hate to have seen last season's team have, have to bounce back from that because I don't think we would have. So let's move on to to us bouncing back before we do we just want to take a nice big sip of um, Echo Falls <laughs> anyone, anyone who's seen anyone who hasn't seen a video on, on Twitter or Facebook just go and search you know Hamas Rodriguez and Everton and there's a, an absolutely fantastic video of some lads giving them a bottle of Echo Falls outside the Royal Oak on County Road unbelievable <laughs> but let's stick with Hamas Rodriguez Judgy um, for me I know Gary last week was smiling when I was pairing over him um, Evertonian and me probably still thinks that I shouldn't be getting excited, but that is that is some play. He just controls every aspect of our attack and play. There was a, a line of players in front of him, and he just chips it over them. He's very similar time. to to Coutinho across the park at Liverpool. As he, he, he reminds me a lot of him in the in the way that he plays on 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 Saturday and and also against Tottenham. He, he just he's just a gifted footballer. He loves being on the ball, and it doesn't matter where he is on the pitch. He can have a bit of an impact. I mean, I was watching the game with my dad on Saturday and he the ball off at times, but you just keep defenders guessing. He just he just loves not only being on the ball, but I just think he loves the game in general. He's a very gifted footballer, very talented footballer, but he's got a proper football brain. And when you watch the um, the way they broke it down after, I think it was Owen Hargreaves and Joe Cole. And Joe Cole was absolutely buzzing over him. Joe Cole was, was a fantastic player himself, but he, he appreciated, you know, just in general, the fact that he's, he hasn't got much pace. You know, he, he, he's one of them players where he's just operating on a different wavelength, certainly to, to the, the players that were on the pitch on Saturday. Um, and I know there's going to be tougher challenges and tougher defences for him to unlock during the season, but he just made the game look so easy. And, and it's like Keating Gibbs. Keating Gibbs actually tried to, you know, he, he gave him one basically and got sent off for it. And Hamas Rodriguez played him into that and then carried on, carried on playing. It, it didn't affect him being roughed up. No, uh, you know what though? Phil mentioned this last week. He, he's a proper like throwback South American player. He, he loves getting involved in stuff like that, and that surprises me about him. It, it wasn't. I can't say I was a, as an expert about Hamas Rodriguez before he comes to the club, but I was wondering a little bit about how he would, you know, take that type of. Um, treatments yeah. when he came to the Premier League, but he seems to enjoy it and he seems to relish in it. Um, but yeah, I mean that you can't underestimate the impact that, that that's had. He's <laughs> literally went and sought out Kieran Gibbs to give him a little nudge, and almost like knowing that he was going to react, and and he obviously has. But no, you know you, you can't underestimate the, the contribution he's had to the game in general on on Saturday, not least the goal, but just just his general play. You know, every time he picks the ball, players are making runs because they're thinking. He's gonna find us, and and that belief. Richarlison looks. Richarlison looks so happy to be playing with someone like that, doesn't he? he? He does. Yeah, he's definitely reaping the benefits. But but players across the pitch, you know, I said it last week. You're seeing a, a bit of rejuvenation from some of the players that, like Andre Gomez, now just looks so comfortable. 
and he's so happy, you know, because it, he's not the only player who's trying to make things happen and, and trying to switch the play and, and you know, and, and bring in a different dimension to our attack. But, yeah, like you say, the, the Evertonian or, or just general cynic in me is, is saying that we can't get two carries away to two games. But, I mean, there was even a doubt as to whether there's still a player there from a lot of people. You know, is he, has he still got it? And, and I think he's, you know, categorically answered that question so far. What you've mentioned there about his, his pace, and, and he's not very pacey. I had to laugh at that stat on, on a match today, saying that he didn't, didn't, he didn't sprint once. He didn't sprint once. It's like, well, just, leave us, just leave us alone. It's, it's mad that, though, isn't it? Like, oh, it for, for the benefit of the Reds and for everyone else, the, the match of the day showed our front three, as they called it, Calvert Lewin, Charleston, and Hamas Rodriguez. And it was talking about like the impact he has on the game, and it was like amounts of four forwards passes, amounts of like chances created, amounts of sprints, and it was like Calvert Lewin was high as you'd expect, but Charleston was somewhere in between. Hammers Rodriguez, zero sprints. But that's that's to me. Just yeah, says that, that to me. Just says he didn't need to go into top. Yeah, eight. he was just one of the games. Yeah. Well, to be and fair, just, again, I think I think uh, Har Hargreaves and, and Cole mentioned that as well. They said you can see that he's a player who's finally the main man. That that's what that's what he is for Colombia. That's what he wanted to be when he went to Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. But with the likes of Ronaldo and whatever, and even later on Bale, Benzema, he was never able to be the main man. He now knows at Everton. He's the main man, and, and he's reaping the benefits, you know, as a way at the moment. I mean, do, do you know when he got substituted with five minutes to go? Can you imagine what the ground would have been like singing a song? The, the love he would have felt even 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 more so. Yeah, I mean, it, that that is that's a massive shame, both for him and both for us. I mean, we were watching that game. We were talking, weren't we, after the game? Yeah. It was a love to to be there and you know seeing the goals and stuff. And like he's even someone like Calvert Lewin, who I'm sure we're going to talk about in a moment. Yeah. He's got his first Premier League hat-trick in front of no one. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a shame, isn't it? But as I say, it doesn't distract from, like I say, a, a, a pleasing outcome to the game. Um, like we say, there's, there's definitely concerns from a defensive perspective, but um, you know, we're definitely going in the right direction. Before we do move away, we'll, we'll cover the Salford. Uh, sorry, we'll cover the, the Liverpool game, then we'll move on to the Carabao Cup Salford game. But... Two, you mentioned there's two points I wanted to ask you about. You, you basically said the first one there, Dominic Calvert Lewin. Um, I'll admit on this podcast that I've not been as, as big as fan. There might be a little bit of me that just didn't think he could follow Lukaku when that, that still lingers in me. Um, but all he can do to critics like me is do what he's done on Saturday. And he came out after the game, didn't he? And he said he was working on his one touch finishing. Carlo Ancelotti told him to be more selfish. And I can only think of me as a young striker if Carlo Ancelotti told me what to do. I would do it, and he seems to be reaping the benefits, doesn't he? Well, again, you just said you know, um, you hold your hands up and whatever. I, I think I must have said several times in this podcast, you, you can't, you can't teach someone to be a goal scorer. They've either got it or they haven't. Um, again, it's a little bit premature and early to say that. Yeah, he's suddenly that goal scorer because lots of players have scored Premier League tricks and and not gone on to be the goal scorers that they want to be or that the club wants them to be, but. You know, you look at those three goals on Saturday, and they just look like a player who, who's literally got a knack for scoring. If you just watch those three goals in isolation on Saturday and didn't see the Calvert Lewin from two years ago, and let's remember he's still a kid, but if you didn't see the player from two years ago, he was running the channels and having maybe one shot every three games, you'd think that that's not the same player. Um, you know, it, but like you say, he's, he's certainly 
proven critics wrong, but those three goals on Saturday just look like proper goal scorers. Goals, you know, he's getting he's getting in on the line of yards out. He's like you say, he's just getting on the ends of things where where you think that you know, you, well, we we certainly didn't think he had that in his locker. Yeah, I think I think outside watching in as a Liverpool fan, like you know, I I'll be honest when you were talking about last season, I was thinking still from what I've seen of him, you know what I mean? It, it, he doesn't look like he's going to be what you need. Um, but I thought his movement was really, really good, really intelligent. You know, like the way that he's getting around the box. And, and as you say, is that tenacity, you know, to sort of like make sure I'm in at the back post or like I'm sort of following things in and stuff. It's just them little them little bits that just gives you that little extra chance of getting on, getting on something and getting an opportunity. It's like he's starting to really add that to his game. I think he's starting to look like a good player for you. Like, the thing is as well... I've said Go on, sorry, Phil. I should say, I've said on the podcast before about goal scorers, it's massively down to confidence. Uh, Calvert-Lewin's always been a good player. He's, he's been a brilliant player, in fact. He just couldn't put it in the back of the net. And when you miss one chance and then all you can do is read about yourself not being a goal scorer, it builds up and builds up. And every chance, there's so much more on it. And when you've knocked a few in, it's the opposite, isn't it? Everything starts to feel easy for you. And he was in a rich vein of form, goal scoring first half of last season. And it seems to have carried on for him. Once you're in that groove, you're in it. You're in it. But he's giving himself them opportunities, isn't he? By by being a little bit more like getting in the right areas and, and getting on the end of things. So them easy wins, the easy goals are coming to him now. Do you know what I mean? Which all helps feed that machine, like you're mm. saying, that builds mm. up in confidence. But what, what I love most about it as well is and is the one where he gets on the ends of a Charleston's finish, where for me it looks like, on all, by all accounts, like it's going in anyway. I mean, you watch it back and it may have been in the post or whatever, but he has no hesitation of thinking, I'm going to score that. I don't care if it's if it's an inch out. I'm getting my foot on it because I want the goal. And, and that's that's the bit. I never thought he was hungry enough for goals. And he certainly looks like he is now. And, you know, all credit to him. If he's putting the work in on the training grounds and he's certainly in top condition and he always has been, you know, he deserves that. And the one last thing, Judge, before we we do move on to, to Liverpool. I mean, I could talk about a number of things here. I'm, I'm missing the instant match reaction already because I wanted to talk about Seamus Coleman. I wanted to talk about Alan. But instead, me and you had a conversation on Saturday morning where we said that if, we, if we didn't get a result on Saturday, it would have been massive. It would have made last week look less impressive than it was. So in the context of that, how important was it that we actually did win on Saturday? Massively important. I mean, it, I, I joked last week on the podcast and I wanted to say before the Reds did that, you know, this time last year or whatever, it was like, oh, if we win a Villa on, on, on Monday, we go to yeah. and yeah. the Reds still, remi- still reminds us, rightfully so, of that. Um, but no, I, I, I think if we'd have got beat on Saturday, it, it would have been that. Or, or if you wouldn't have got the victory on Saturday, I think it would have been that kind of air of, oh, here we go again. You know, it's another, another kind of false dawn. And again, I'm not... Don't want to get ahead of myself. It is only two victories. Just it's just two wins. But to follow up a you know a good away victory against one of the Sky Six with, with a with a with a more comprehensive home victory against the team that we were expecting to beat, and that that's not easy. That you know you despite the fact they've gone down to ten men and two one at half time, you're thinking it's a given. They scored just after half time. Any team can still park the bus there. Any Premier League team is capable of putting. 10 players, including the keeper behind the ball and making it difficult. But, you know, we were pretty much straight back in front after that and, and never looked like there was any chance after that that West Brom were going to get anything out of the game. So, credit the players and credit Ancelotti for keeping that momentum going despite making, you know, 10 changes in the week, which was, I think we're going to cover before we move on. 
Yeah. Well, let's move on to the Reds, guys. You, you just played Chelsea on Sunday, which, which I asked last week. Was that the was that a huge test? And I think you all admitted that it would have been. Um, the squad contains one of your new players, Thiago. So you brought in Thiago last week. It came out of nowhere, despite there being lots of rumours. It looks like a really good deal. Five million pounds a year over four years, I think it is, which is unbelievable. Brought in Diogo Jota as well, and then you, you topped those few days off by going to Chelsea and winning. So Give me your thoughts on those few days as a Liverpool fan, two big signings, then going to Chelsea and winning 2 you know. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly no no grounds for us to grumble, is there? I mean, I think for us as Liverpool fans, we, we well, I speak for myself anyway, I, I was a bit fed up about all the Thiago rumours and that because it was like, we don't know anyone. And no one seemed to know what was going on, you know what I mean? And it didn't look like we were going to pay the money and stuff. But I was exasperated about like hearing fans like sort of saying, "Oh, it's a disgrace the way FSG have run it." It's like, you know, for me, I, I think, I think all we've shown over the last few years is that they run a very, very intelligent, tight ship. You know what I mean? So you've got to give them credit, you know, in terms of and, and trust the decisions that they're taking because they haven't since the after the first couple of seasons they haven't really put a foot wrong. So it was better to just say, "Well, until he's holding up a Liverpool shirt." You know, nothing's happened, and I think me and Phil both have said previously we were happy. You know, we're a we're a title winning side. You know, it, it was it was surgical ads and stuff for us with players as opposed to wholesale changes. So, although it's easy to get caught up in in the emotion of everyone else making loads of signings, you know, I don't think either of us were looking for for, for massive changes. If we had Thiago, it would have been great, but. So to see them actually get it done and to do it in such a you know again like you've just mentioned there really. It seems like really astute fashion. So I think it's four million a year over five seasons. Okay, sorry, yeah. So um, we're so twenty million, I think I read. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, to to, to do that is, is is phenomenal work by Edwards, really. Um, and it just goes to show that that, that there is intelligence happening there behind the scenes. And Liverpool fans Terry, just, just need to sit tight. What? What I will say, Terry. Me and you are. Like... One thing we did say was, if you look at all the positions where Liverpool needs a new player, defensive, like sort of a deep midfielder is not one of them. Mm. But all of a sudden, it looks like we really needed it because we've got two fit centre-halves, one of them, you know, being Fabinho at the moment, which, and then Henderson goes off injured. And we're always so much weaker without Henderson. Imagine if we didn't have Thiago to come in. It would have right mess, wouldn't it? Well, Thiago solved all kinds of problems. He solved the Henderson problem. He solved the centre-back problem. So it, it's actually been way more useful. I mean, it could just be a unique set of circumstances that have made it look that way this week. But, you know, we were saying I, we don't need that player. All of a sudden, we really do. Yeah, I, I think I think it is the circumstances making it look like that, though. Because if you think about it, in that circumstance last season, we would have just played Wijnaldum, Milner and Keita, which has been a good midfield for us in the past. You know, so it's like, you know, would we... on that now, don't you? Well, because we don't have to play it now, but we would have. And I think and I don't think any of us would have really sort of been screaming, you know, like, oh, this is a terrible midfield. That that midfield's worked for us in the past. You know in the past we've we've mm. even dropped Lalana in there. You know, we haven't got him now, but and we haven't said that it's a problem, you know what I mean? So I I think it's it is the circumstances making it look like it was, you know, extremely fortuitous, but it is a boss sign and and, and, and then to go to Chelsea and, and almost give a bit of a slap to them, you know, because Let's let let's be honest about it. They've spent a load of money, and they're probably thinking we're going to be up there this season. They've added a lot of quality. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of depth in their squad now. They're not relying on the kids, which I think is a bit a bit harsh the way they just sort of bombed all the kids who served them so well last season. But 
they were probably thinking we're now going to be challenging again. We're going to be up there. It's not going to be a 33-point gap to Liverpool this season. So for us to just deal with them in such simplistic form, just sort of like, well, this is the this is the gap. This is the gulf. You know what I mean? This is where it is. I think it was really, really nice. And and, and to do it on, on the back of two signings as well, which no one really seen happening. You know, it has been a good week. But just turning to the game, Phil, was the, you know, in terms of like the lineups, was the Fabinho story was 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 the one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the one. Um, at first, everyone was like, oh, "Has he done this on purpose?" But then he come out just before the game and mentioned like straight a strain to Joe Gomez. Don't know what didn't mention Matip though, did he? He's out, isn't he? For, for over a He's month, out. I think. Yeah. At, yeah, at this point okay. now, I think you need to accept that Matip is injury prone. I think we were very, very lucky to get away with it no. you know, when, when he had yeah, to play for us last season. You must have to say the same about Gomez as well, for me. Um, and what was interesting, he mentioned um, Billy Kameto, didn't he? Yeah. Kumetio. Uh, which is weird, because he didn't mention... Yeah. So that's a nod, to, you know, that's a, a serious nod to him as cops considering him. Um, so that was all the talk. Is he going to cope? And it's against the pacey forwards, the the winner, the Havertz, the exciting expensive players that Chelsea have just bought. But you know, I think he's still in Fabinho's back pocket. Timo Werner, um, what a what a performance from him. Yeah. You know, if if Sadio Mane hadn't played outrageously, then for me to be an easy man of the match here for yeah. Fabinho. But um, no, the game in general. Well, sorry, yeah, let's just stick with that. Were you impressed? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll be honest, I think I said on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, you know, really, I don't want to see us relying on our probably first choice holding midfielder to be our, you know, almost third choice centre-back or whatever. Um, not not because I don't think he's got the ability, but, I, I, you know, just because I don't like seeing what is likely to be a settlement field getting ripped up just because of an injury at the back. But I think... You know, even if there was any nagging out, was he good enough to to sort of drop in there and 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 you know do a really good job? I think that's just got put to bed completely, didn't it? Because it was an absolutely superb performance, as you say. Like Ben, Ben, you know, early on, I think he he ran at him once and he didn't quite get the better of him, but it didn't look the most comfortable thing for Fabinho to deal with. But then once he worked it out, he was like, that was it. You know, there was net, there was not mm. a, another foot got put wrong. And Werner just fed on scraps all all night. Then didn't he, he had nothing. Um, so, you know what I mean. There's, I think, as you say, only only for a you know a, a, a stonking performance from Mane, I, I think he he would have definitely been man of the match for being. You know, it was it was an absolutely massive, massive performance from him. But just like sort of first half, then. Well, just just before before we before you do the first half, were you surprised at the midfield that that got put out? Um, it was Wijnaldum, Cater, and Henderson, wasn't it? Um. No, I don't think it could be anything else, really. No, I wasn't surprised. Why were you, you yeah, expecting I, something different? I don't know. I, I, I just think in that first game against Leeds, I felt like Henderson put a load into that game. Do you know what I mean? And he, that was his first game back. He'd been out for, for a while with injury as well. So it was almost like, was he rushed back a bit too fast? And I, and I did feel like he put loads in in that Leeds game. Do you know what I mean? So I think there was maybe, obviously it being a big game, Chelsea away, you expect your captain to play, don't you? But I was thinking... Would it be one of them where where there's a little bit of a shift where not so much is asked of him in the holding role and maybe a bit more is asked of Wijnaldum in the holding role? Well, I thought that was more useful minutes in his legs. And it, this is a week later, so I wasn't worried about it. But it turns out you're right because he's gone and... He's gone in substitution, yeah. 
Well, it was yeah. an injury though. Yeah. He's injured, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, so, yeah. And, so, I, so I did think there was maybe a little bit of a danger that, you know, we might have been getting pushed a little bit too hard. And then, other than that, I probably wouldn't have expected any changes. But, I don't know, it, it was just that one for me, I thought. Mm. But, again, it's, it's the captain, isn't it? He's got to play there, you know what I mean? And he's such an integral part of the side. But Well, he, he has a great first half for me. He has a great first half for me, Terry. He was all over the place. His passing was brilliant. The pass that led to the penalty incident was a superb pass. Yeah. Henderson was like back to his best for me, but obviously physically wasn't quite ready potentially. Yeah, but it was unfortunately it was the other two that I thought actually had a bit of a not mm. the best performance. You know what I mean? Quiet. Really quiet. And I was even when they went down to ten men, I was thinking. I, why are these not doing a bit more here yeah, in the midfield? Do you know what I mean? But, mm-hmm. And that, that's the worry with Cater for me. He's been, he looks so good at post-lockdown when games are flat and quiet, you know, like, and, and, and he's being able to express himself. But, you know, now we're back in the proper season, away at Chelsea, it was there for him to do a lot more in that game. And I, I was very disappointed again, you know, just thought... I was, I, I was yeah. going to say, I, th- I think if he Jürgen Klopp, that, that he would be the player you'd probably be most disappointed in because when a team goes down to 10 men as well, it just seems like that's made for someone like him, isn't it? There's going to be yeah. more spaces, pockets for him to go and link up and, and overload and stuff like that. And, and he, he didn't really try and get a grip on the game at all, did he? There was nothing. But look at the difference when, when Thiago came on. You know, like in, in terms of... He came on and he just looked a different class, you know, in terms of just keeping things ticking over, moving the ball, just looked intelligent and stuff. And at the moment, I, sometimes when I watch Keita, I just think... Well, He's not operating on that same... It feels like he's going through the motions as opposed to trying to impact the game. Yeah, he was... Both Wijnaldum and, and Keita seemed pretty anonymous to me. It wasn't that they were making all kinds of mistakes or anything, just anonymous no. from the game. But then again, we've absolutely controlled that game. And mm. even in the first half, when it was 11 v 11, so maybe they were doing more things tactically than, than we noticed. Because you, don't, you can't play like that against Chelsea and have two midfielders who were crap, can you? Yeah, Maybe with the pogging holes and doing the right bits, but like when it go when it does go down to ten men, as Judge just said, there you're expecting Cater in particular to start. You know, there's the space start creating. Doesn't create, does he? Doesn't create as much as you want him to. He doesn't wreck either. So it's like, what is it? What is his role? What's yeah. he doing? I think he's the one that, like, you know, I think a lot of people are saying Wayne Alden was the role, the position that's at risk well, with, with Thiago, but Cater seems to have been. Pegged as, and I think we were all saying it, where he's got to go into this season, do what he was doing post lockdown and in pre season stuff. And we're expecting big things. And you just said there, you fully expect him to start this game. But I'm looking at it thinking, well, on that evidence, he's not starting games. Uh, see, the thing is, I think people misunderstand him a little bit. For me, he's almost a Thiago position. He's sort of like a deep midfielder or certainly box to box. People seem to think of him as a 10 as or a 10. No, and he's not. Yeah, and he's not. He's absolutely not. I think, I think that's just about... because of the. That's just probably just because of the output from at Leipzig, where he got a lot of goals and a lot of assists. Therefore, people naturally think, well, if you're producing that, then you must be a more advanced player, or you must certainly be capable of playing in that advanced mm-hmm. role. Let's make no mistake, though. Regardless of what position, whether you, whether you consider to be a deep line midfielder or an advanced midfielder, if you're a, if you're a mm-hmm. top class player, you, you know you you work, don't you, in most positions? I mean. Yeah, even even Henderson, who, who I still to this day wouldn't consider a top class player, but you can't argue what he's done in every position he's played, and at some point he he's ends up making an impact, hasn't mm-hmm. he? Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. 
not so good for forwards do. I think if you're talking about the advanced midfield position, we don't play it. But if you're going to play it, then we've got the Ox, we've got Curtis Jones. For me, it's them two now. It's them two. Mm-hmm. If you're going to play that, if you're going to bring that position on. Uh, but typically, we've got three amazing forwards, and, and we do it that way, don't we? Mm. As we know. Um, but no, I think, I think on the day, Chelsea had a very, very deep block, and eight players, almost eight players, four in the box and four just outside the box, and we had to break them down. And you know, all right, they haven't got the best defense in the world, but you would imagine most Premier League teams can make it difficult. And particularly the way we broke them down for Fermani's header, I was made up with that the way Trent clipped it round. On the corner, one two for me, no and Salah. Um, for me, no chipped overly ball back, but still has a lot to do for Mane and a, and a great head. That was a fantastic team goal, and that's exactly how you break teams down. You play with that deep block, you switch it side to side, side to side, and you play some quick one twos. And we've got the players to do it now because that was always the thing where the Terry uh, teams play a low block into the and we can't break them down. Yeah, and it's what City do really well is getting down them flanks and cutting balls back. Now they seem to like drive them back across, you know, across the across the floor to players that are arriving in, you know, late or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we haven't done quite done that because Firmino, as you say, he's clipped one and man, he's had quite a lot to do in the middle to get it to work his header, but. It's it's that same sort of idea, isn't it? It's trying to get round and as a pr- trying to play through it. You know, when your runners aren't having the space to run behind, you need another option. So it was nice to see another way of getting behind what would have potentially been a very stubborn afternoon otherwise for us. Were you surprised that Chelsea set up that way yeah. though and were so defensive? Because I was, I was expecting a bit more from them. Yeah. Got good results against us last year. Yeah, they looked like a team who was scared of Liverpool. Mm. To me, they didn't show much considering the players that they had on the pitch. Because defensively, they're weak. So play mm. to your strength, isn't it? What they, have to, what they have got is a lot of pace up front. So it just seemed to me clear that Frank wanted to basically play on low block, be hard to beat, and then try and catch Liverpool on the counter. They obviously were relying on the gap between Trent and, and uh, Fabinho there to be able to exploit that. Didn't get any change out of it, though. And I think that's a testament, isn't it, to how good Fabinho's performance was? Because even when, you know, Werner got them opportunities to run in in that channel, he was just boxed off. He was showing outside, and it was like, well, going nowhere, so not down for you. So, as a blue, I was quite encouraged by it because you know you're looking at Chelsea, and I know you were obviously aware of them because and because of the the transfers or the signings they made, and and they might be a, a club that might feature, but. You know, we were also looking at them as Blues, thinking, well, that's another club that almost is guaranteed to be finishing above us. But I said, you know, before you played them, and I said on last week's show, I, I thought they were poor against... Did I say it on last week's show? I'm not sure I did, actually, because you may have recorded this week. Did they play before last week's show? No, they, they, were, play, they were playing on the Monday. They were playing that night. No, no, it was. We, we definitely, I'd definitely seen them before before last week's show, and... And they were, I thought they were poor or they were bang average, certainly, last week. They, they got a victory and everything, but it was very late. There wasn't much fluidity about the way they played. Um, and, you know, I think that there's always that danger, isn't there, when you, when you bring, you know, three or four top players in and you're trying to shoe on them into the sides. And, and like you said, Terry, they, they've, they've come in at the expense of some young players who, who performed really admirably and, and really well last season. And it looks to me like he hasn't quite got the, the blend right yet. And, you know, when you approach a game like this is against you and, and, and really step back and look like they, they were a little bit intimidated by it, I don't think that's ve- that they're very good signs at all. Mm, yeah, no, I know, I agree. And, you know, I, I was surprised. To be honest, I think we've got a... It's a, it's a bit of one of them, isn't it? Like, they, they sat back and made it easy for us, but I think 
we showed we showed the class, didn't we, Phil? You know, like in, in terms of just the confidence. I think it looked like it was coming for a long time. You know what I mean? Even even when it was eleven v eleven, it yeah. looked like we were fully in control of that game and just sort of saying, you know, we know we're winning this. Did you get that feeling? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. But obviously, I'm aware that we're a bit short on time. Uh, we need to sort of wrap our pool section up. But a couple of incidents to talk about then. The penalty, that was a yellow card. That was nuts, wasn't it? Because <laughs> if you last man so blatantly and you bear hug a player down to the ground, for me, the ref bottles it by showing a yellow. If it's a yellow, therefore it's a red. Yeah. Or, or you know what I mean? It's not, over, it's not a foul, is it? It's a foul, it's a foul, it's a red, yeah. How's it not a red? Especially if it's a yellow. That to be, it was a professional yeah, foul, it, the absolute definition of a professional foul. Yeah. But he's sort of like, let the VAR make the decision. It's like he knew it, go to VAR, let them make the call. Kind of bottled it for me. Yeah, but then they didn't make the call, did they? Because he still went over to the monitor, so it, it was almost like he wanted the safety of, of, as you say, rather than let VAR make the call. He wanted the safety blanket of basically checking the monitor to make sure he hadn't messed up. Um, which, you know, it's fair enough, but on that one, which is so clear cut, you want referees to be assertive there, don't you? Do you know what I mean? He was last man, clearly. It was a goal scoring opportunity. Man, he's probably going to go right past Kepper. So it was like, why do you need, why do you need the any? Only doubts, the only doubts that could have been in his mind was had did Mane dive. But even then, where does the yellow card come from? For well, exactly, yeah. If doubts in your mind. No, it's just it was just a strange, strange decision, and I, you know, gladly and rightfully it was it was rectified. Um, but very odd, very odd. Before we move on, then let's just talk about the impact Thiago had. He's come on there. He's played forty-five minutes. He's made more passes than anybody else since records began in well, the Premier League in, oh, in half no, a game. No, well, the, the stat. That's the what stat, it was. No, the stat. The stat was that since two thousand and three. In 45 minutes, a player play. Oh, is it? Record, records didn't begin in 2003, Phil. <laughs> that, that must have been when they started they they started keeping them. I just know that it says on Sky. Oh, so, so they, it's what, they had no pen, pen and pencil before, like, 2003? <laughs> no, they went, no, they went, they went, they went, I'm telling you now, there's no stats for a passive game. All right, then, Phil, Phil, it was your... It was your he was your top scorer in 2002, 2003. No one no. knows. Didn't keep those records. No, no. <laughs> Phil, People listen. We're not regardless of on regard, per game. But listen, right. listen. Regardless of whether it was of all time or when since records began, it's from since since 2003. No player in 45 minutes in the Premier League has made more passes than Thiago. Right, well, let, let me just say, uh, look, look, it's, it's a very, very good debut and a very impressive debut for him to do that, but. You you know with that stat, it's like all right, he's made passes. You know, you, everyone can make passes, and we all we, we all know that the size was backwards. I think that, I think what was impressive about it is that he was so he basically dictated it. You know, from from the way it go, because I, I hate that stat. How many passes someone makes? Because well, even if it was from when records you. began. Yeah, well, it's I know what you're saying because I went home and told my mum that stat, and she went just like in a naivety. Well, that's obviously not up to him. That's just if he gets past the ball, which is almost what you're saying there. But what it does tell you is how he shows for the ball. And you've got to be in a position to receive the pass. And he's always showing he wants it. He demands that ball. And You know, you get players get accused of being shy and hiding from the ball. Certainly not Thiago. And he gets it. And, his, and all them passes are forward, or pretty much, you know what I mean? He's walking forward all the time. So, you know, obviously, he didn't score three goals or nothing, but... 
he absolutely dictated that play, and he looked head and shoulders above everyone else for me when he came on. Well, I yeah. think for you, uh, sorry, Terry, before, I, before you quote, well, all I was going to say, I think the reason why he looks so different to you is you've never, you haven't really had that player since Alonso, have you? you know, your midfielders have always been industrious players who, all right, they'll get on the ball and stuff, but that's their second job to a certain extent. Their job is to support the defence and the forwards, but to just be that in between. Give a platform, yeah. yeah. Yeah, to give a platform. And I, I think you're right. And it, he, isn't, he isn't the same as an Alonso in a, in a sort of like that, that sort of register quarterback role, you know, where he's going to be sort of spraying balls left, right and centre, diagonals and stuff. He, I don't think he, he, he's got that in his game, but I don't think that's him. He's like a blend of almost an Alonso and a, I don't know, like, a, I wouldn't maybe even say, well, is it a Coutinho? Because I don't think he's like the type who's going to be sort of, you know, cutting inside and banging shots off either, is he? No, no what I mean by that is dribbling past people dead skillful and like through balls. You know, that unlock a door pass Yeah, Coutinho had. He's just got that Which one's all... metronome sort of, you know, he gets the ball, yeah. keeps the ball moving, but he's not just doing it to sort of keep possession. He's doing it with intelligence, you know, moving it round, yeah. sort of moving players around. His movement's really good. As you say, he's always showing. So I think, I, I, I think Judge is right. We haven't got anyone else in the midfield who brings that for us. Do you know what I mean? And it gives us just that, Another level of control in that midfield, doesn't it? That we haven't maybe quite had. Yeah, what he did show for me on the concerning side, and I haven't heard anyone saying anything negative about him, but if he is a six and if we're going to play him as a holding midfielder, for me, he looked a bit rash. He once, um, first touch on a crease turn, it was loose, and then he flew into that challenge, rash. Obviously, the penalty situation. So there's a little question mark there for me, and like, how calm is he in the defensive? Nah. I mean, we see, I've only seen two little things there, Terry. But it's no. But if you look, if you look at the player, the players he played alongside at, at Bayern, he'd always play with an enforcer. Like it was Martinez, I think, or something a couple of years ago. It was a last yeah, season, the, right, big, yeah. the big brute who was going <laughs> yeah. in for all. Like, he always plays alongside a player who. I'm not saying he's not capable of tackling. He's a boxer, box midfielder. But I think it's a good point to make that he, he's always plays alongside someone. Who, who does the the more disciplined stuff? You know, kind of sitting in front of the back four and 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 looking for when you know transition happens. Mm. I don't think he's necessarily a player who who who, who would sit naturally. Yeah, his tackling to me looked more like the tackling of a number eight than a number six. He didn't have the Fabinho type tackling him for me. He was more like you know. A bit mistimed with it. No, I, I, for me, it's his debut. He wants to impress. He wants to show that he's mm. busy working hard. So I think you can give him a little bit of latitude. And I don't think yeah. he's, he's he's not he doesn't look like a Fabinho sort of like going to ground, winning the ball in that same way. He looks like a lot of our other midfielders in terms of intercepting, you know, sort of shutting things down, getting in between, trying to sort of nick balls. And I think. Time will tell. We watch a couple of games and then we'll see whether you know it, there is a rashness or whether it was just a little bit of exuberance being his debut. But I don't think it's anything that we need to be overly concerned about. You know, in terms of like he's just going to start no, battling into space. As the, I think you're just talking about the no, balance, aren't I, you? If you're going to try and strike the I'm balance, about, the... I'm talking about if he's going to play as as the holding midfielder, the holding midfielder, the number six. Mm. You know, but anyway, let let's move on. To, from the Liverpool game then? Oh yeah, well, I was going to say, the two big games coming up this weekend, I mean, all four teams playing against each other have unbeaten this season, so we'll get to that. But just quickly cover the Carabao Cup, uh, 
judgy. We made 10 changes against Salford. Um, I think we, we couldn't make any more, basically, because the one change we didn't make was centre-half. We, we were limited in what we could do there. Um, first of all, any standout performances from that game? And then secondly, post-match, Carl Lanzotti confirmed this is a competition he's going to continue to make changes in. So we as fans, we want our best players to be wrapped up in cotton wool, but we also have in the past said, why don't we play a first-end team in this competition? So take it, up, take it away from me, from me there. All right, well, the, the, to start with the first one, I think the left-hand side stood out to me. And Kunku and, and Anthony Gordon were, were you know, were so energetic and so busy, constantly making things happen. I mean, he was he was a bag of energy up and down the pitch. He was so quick, but, but he's got quality as well, hasn't he? Some of the balls into the box were, were, were brilliant. But his, his link-up play with Anthony Gordon was, was really exciting and really encouraging, I think. You know, if they do find themselves on the bench and, and the game isn't going a certain way, you wouldn't be surprised to see both of them come off the bench at times. Um, so that that was particularly encouraging. Um, very disappointed, obviously. Just need to mention it now for Jared Brantwaite. You know, he, six or seven minutes in or something like that, he's got an injury. Disappointing for us because we're we're, we're really lacking in that department anyway. So he, he may have found himself getting minutes, but you know, it's it's um it's obviously disappointing for him personally because he's only just made his his breakthrough um, but yeah you know I think for me they, they were the, the biggest standouts the, the left hand side of the pitch Michael Keane special mention to him because he was you know again he, he marshalled the defence really well um, you know not not that much to do albeit you know but he, but again the only player who, who who stayed in from the side of the weekend so you know he showed a really good you know professional attitude and, and you know being I suppose the senior player on the night that, that was important to have in there um, I think I'm going to say it because I wouldn't say he was a standout player, but I am going to say that um, a lot of Everton fans were critical of Moise Keane's performance. Um, I went on record a few weeks ago saying that we need to kind of adjust our expectations of him and understand what type of player he is. He doesn't, for me, play well with his back to goal and, and holding the ball up. Um, lumping balls up to him is not going to work. That happens a few times against Salford and, and not unsurprisingly, we got no joy out of him. But when you get him in behind or when you get crosses into the box, he gets on the end of things. You know, he hit the bar, he hit the post. He obviously ends up getting um, a goal from a penalty. And their keeper made a really good save. So, you know, on another night, he easily gets a hat-trick there. You know, if, if that one that hits the bar and one hits the post goes in or the keeper doesn't make that brilliant save because he got four goals. So, I think I think players, uh, some people are a little bit harsh um, with him. But for me, they were our two best performances. Carragher, some mad reason decided to give Sigurdsson man of the match. I think he must have been trying to sell him. He must get a sell on or something for Sigurdsson because <laughs> he, he was all over him. He, he played okay, but again, we're playing Salford. You know, I'd expect him to be to be better than okay in that game. Yeah. Okay, and, and secondly, like I said there, Carlo Angelotti did say after the game that this competition, he will continue to rotate players in. Like I alluded to there, we've said in the past that I remember Ronald Koeman's first season, he dropped six or seven players and we got dumped out by, I think it was Norwich, and we all criticised him for not playing the first team players. So we've now had confirmation that this week at Fleetwood and any rounds after that, subsequently, that he's going to rotate the players. Where stands on that? Um, do you know what? If he's going to do it the way he's done it on Tuesday... As long as, the, as long as the end of the world, I mean, you look at it now, we've pretty much got a first team and a second team. But that team that played the other night was a second team. And it also didn't even have Alex Wobey in there as well, who obviously came on at the weekend. He's expecting to maybe feature against Fleetwood. There's a good enough side there. And, and, and the reason I say it's a first and second team is 
probably doing that in training every day. You know, he's literally got the first 11 playing against the second 11 there. Therefore, he's expecting some relationships to be developing. You've also got some players in there who genuinely think they should be in that team. Some of them are, are mad, by the way, but um, some of them <laughs> some of them genuinely do think they should be featuring. Sigurdsson will, will still be thinking, I'm as good or better than a, a Decore or whatever. And, you know, we still have Moise Keane who, you know, he'll be disappointed the Cavaloons got that hat-trick to a certain extent, but he'll still be thinking I'm good enough to be playing up front. And Bernard... You've got, you got, you got John Joe Kenny, Tom Davies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just to mention, I think he's unfortunate to be playing with Theo Walker, John Joe Kenny, because he doesn't offer you nothing mm. in the way of link-up play. It was hard for him the other night. You look at the Warren Kunku benefited from on the other side with Anthony Gordon. He's always showing for him. He's always looking to link up. Theo Walker just runs away from you, and, and it makes him it makes him look a mug sometimes. Mm. But um, yeah, I I think if you do it that way to to kind of answer your question more directly, I think it might work both for Ancelotti and and for us as well. Yeah. Okay, Blues, let us know if you agree with Judgy on our Twitter at Across the Park PC, Instagram at Across the Park PC. Teddy, very, very quickly, I, I don't think as an outsider that you're going to take as a fan or even your manager is going to take the Carabao Cup very seriously with you know, the Champions League and, and the defending the Premier League title. Um, can you see wholesale changes against Lincoln this week for you guys? Yeah, to be honest, as much as I regret saying it, I don't think Klopp will take it seriously, which is annoying because I think there's a good chance, you know, in the Carabao Cup this season. Um, it's a shortened competition and stuff like that. But I think Klopp's already sort of bleating, isn't he? That he wanted us to keep the five substitutions and stuff. He knows it's going to be a tough season, but you know, we're playing basically every five or six days, aren't you? As opposed to it, you know, you know, every seven or ten. Um, so I think I, I think I, I probably can see a lot of changes um, because that's just the way that Klopp is, and I think this would be the one that he you know he's least bothered about. But I'm a bit disappointed. I, I'd like us to take it seriously because it's just another trophy, and trophies we get more trophies. So you know I, I want us to take it seriously, but I think there's I enough players to to sort of rotate in and still get through. Yeah, I think you know. We- we can still take it seriously without playing our first eleven. We don't have to see a string of kids coming in who were like, "Who's the, we're all saying who's this?" You know, obviously Harvey Elliott's gonna go, gonna get a go, but I'd like to see the likes of Milner, um, Curtis Jones, Minamino. Still put a very good team out there without playing all the kids who no one's ever heard of, and that's the type of team I'd like to see in the car in the Carabao Cup next week. Yeah, I I don't disagree, and you know there is enough quality there. It's just. It's just how many of the of the other kids will will Klopp bring in. You know, we mentioned Kumetio there. I don't know what how, how serious his injury is, but will he make real wholesale changes? You know, and and really sort of use us as a chance to blood some of them. You know, very much fringe players, or will he go with some senior, you know, first team players? But obviously, You've not got Origi, Shakiri, all M Teddy. Yeah, well, well, that's it as well, isn't it? Because because of, of where we are and and the way that the season finished, and there wasn't much of a gap. There's some players who are going to be really rusty isn't it there wasn't many pre-season games mm-hmm. so I, th- I think he'd be surprised I think there might be more senior players than Klopp would usually play in, in, you know, in, the, in, the, in your first game yeah which is good that's what I want to see you know players on the fringe of the squad rather than loads and loads of kids but yeah I think there will be changes and before we do preview the, the Premier League games we've got the fantasy football on the official Premier League website across the park League. We put the code in last week on our social media. We started on game week two. Um, there's a £50 prize for the winner. That's coming straight out of Gary's money. 
Um, and just to let you know that the, the first week across the park with the handicap of three reds and three blues in our team got 69 points. We currently sit in fourth place, but the runaway so far with 84 points is Phil Brannigan for all outs for 20 FC. Plenty to play for. Um, the code is on the Twitter at Across the Park PC. If you do still want to join with a handicap, um, it's only a bit of fun. We've got a handicap ourselves with three blues and three reds, which I don't think we've done too badly, Judge. I'm going to take the credit. I, I picked Dominic so Calvert Lewin in our forward line, so <laughs> not, not a bad shout that in the first week. I also picked Zahar as well in there, and, and he has a, a decent little uh, to be fair, couple of goals. To be fair, we'll take Champions League qualification. We'll take Champions League qualification, won't we? <laughs> we will as well. <laughs> Blue shirt. <laughs> uh, look, we're going to do something a little bit different on next week's show. And also this week's show, we're going to end with the social media this week. And at the end of the show, we're going to tell you what we're doing next week, which is different again. Um, so let's crack on with the preview for the games. Judgy Crystal Palace are unbeaten in the first two. They've started really well. We've started really well and beaten in our first two. I don't think the neutral would be staying Palace forever and was at the top of the league clash, but... It is. It's it's a big game, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, look at it. every big every game is a big game. Um, when you're playing well, if that if that makes sense, you just yeah. want to keep that keep that momentum up. Um, you know, it's an interesting one because Hodgson and and Palace they, they like to be playing on the back foot, don't they? They, they like players, teams to come onto them, and and Ancelotti's seen on Saturday how vulnerable we can be if we do come on to teams too much. So it'll be interesting to see how both managers approach it. I wouldn't be surprised to see a Dower nil-nil at half-time at least. And then maybe, you know, the players to get shaken up a little bit at half-time. But I watched the game against United and, you know, James McCarthy was back to his best. Him and, him and McCarthy in front of the back four were, were, were unbelievable for them. They dominated midfield and they won every tackle. Um, so I think that that'll be a, an interesting battle in there. You know, the, the Allens and the Corey's for us, but those two for, for Palace are brilliant. And you know, it's it's they've certainly caused problems, as as Phil always says. You know, Pal- Palace can cause <laughs> you can uh, create moments of magic, <laughs> and and they, they did against the against United through Townsend and um, and Zaha. But they, you know, they have got players who can hurt you. Uh, particularly on the break, they've got a lot of pace in there. Eze, who they've got from QPR, has, has proved another gem, to be fair. Another player who, who again, just adds to that, that, that pace on the break. So, um, very difficult shift for us. Um, very difficult game. And, and again, I, I'm really curious and I'm really fascinated to see how, how Ancelotti approaches it. I think the word you said there is, is a very good word, momentum. I think that's priceless in football. We've seen ourselves, when you do have a good start to the season, we, we typically start well and then we, we finish well. We, we always seem to be a team that relies on having momentum. I think we're two very different teams. I can see Palace being the team of players who know their individual roles. And I think for us, it's going to be key to having players like James Rodriguez on Saturday to do what he did you know, against um, excuse me, West Brom. Um, to un- to be the man to unlock, you know, with Richarlison and Calvert Lewin in front of him. If he can play on the player on the shoulder, I think someone like Hamas Rodriguez is, is crucial to us. But again, going back to the Fleetwood game, I think we're going to see two completely separate teams minus the, the centre halves. We've only got two centre halves, so you, you need those to be wrapped up on Wednesday in Cotton Wool, really. But I can see wholesale changes everywhere else. But let's let's quickly move on. What's your predictions, Judgy, for both Fleetwood v Everton and Crystal Palace versus Everton? Uh, Fleetwood, oof, um, I'd expect them to score. Joey Barton's going to have them well up for it. I think it won't take too too much to disorganise a team that you know has that many changes. So 
Um, I fancy them to get on the score sheet, but I think we'll have a little bit too much of them. Um, I'm going to go with 3-1. Trusty Craig, 3-1. <laughs> and then Crystal Palace on, on Saturday, what are you going? Um, I think it'll be a very tight game. I think you're right. I think that we, we I'm hoping that you know our, some of our more creative players, I mean, I, I think even Bernard might have a role to play off the bench on Saturday if it stays really tight. Mm-hmm. Um Again, I think I think we will find it difficult to keep a clean sheet. Uh, I'm going to go one-one. As much as I'd like to see us keep maintain the momentum, I think one-one away at Palace, the way we've been playing, wouldn't be a bad result. And I think we might struggle to keep them out. I'll be a bit more optimistic in relation to the Palace game. I'll, I'll go two-one Everton, and I also think our second string will have too much of fleet. Was I'll, I'll go two-one. So both games two-one. Uh, before we do move on, we're not, we're not doing a predictions league this year, so we're not going to put the predictions on on our across the park PC Instagram. But the winner of last season's uh, predictions league, friend of the show, Michael Ball, Ball, he sent us a message. Judgey wants to know where his trophy is for winning last season's league. Yeah, I'll have to get down to um, the Cobblers tomorrow and get it engraved. <laughs> Um, I've got it there somewhere, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> he caught his house on that one, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Um, At least he wasn't asking for money anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Phil, massive game for the Reds. Monday night football. Arsenal seem to be not only a team who, who are obviously unbeaten, but they seem to be a team who are playing really, really well. Um, you've played them once already this season in the Charity Shield. They seem to have a lot of joy in certain parts of that game. Is, is that a bit of a worry that they they come to our fields on, on Monday having already played you and even though it was penalties beat you? Just before we go to that, Mills, I want to give you a bit of a nightmare. I don't know if you've heard, but there's a lot of strong rumours that Brewster's going to Palace for 24 mil. Mm. So, it, you know, if, he, if they can get that done on Wednesday, you know what's going to well, happen net, there, don't you? Proper evidence. Net, <laughs> net, net, net spends FC banner. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, on the Arsenal game, you know, I, I like um, how, how he's got them playing lately. Um, and one thing I will say about the Charity Shield is they would, they had a way to beat our press and it worked. The keeper plays it out to the centre half, which must be the trigger for Mane or someone to press him. They must know what the Liverpool trigger is because that happened. The centre half then laid it off to a deeper fullback who would usually be pushed up the pitch. We pressed him and then the fullback played it down the line to, I think it was Pepe or someone, um, and it worked, he scored from it. But they kept doing it to us and it kept working. So I don't know if we're going to go with that same idea to try and beat our press, but I'd be very disappointed if they do the exact same thing and it works again. I imagine a lot of, of the focus will be sort of wondering what else they'll do or how to make sure that doesn't happen to us again. You know, but that aside, um, in general, um, you know, last season and all, uh, they're a bit soft-bellied, aren't they, Arsenal? And, you know, I expect us to go through them, to be fair. But I just think he's got them a bit more drilled now and I think they're going to be a tougher team to, to play than they have been in the past. Sorry, Phil, wasn't it Jason McAteer, the Liverpool trigger? <laughs> wasn't that his nickname? Yeah. I was trying to think who they used to call trigger at Liverpool. <laughs> Was Rob Jones wearing it, Trigger? No, it was Jason McAteer, that, was it? Yeah, yeah, Trigger. But uh, I think the thing with Arsenal, I mean, they have started well, but I think West Ham gave them a tough game. You know, the other night, if you watched that, the West, Ham, West Ham are very organised and Arsenal fans are very difficult, to be honest. Um, and although they got the win in the end, it wasn't an easy win, like a comfortable night for them, certainly. 
wasn't free flowing football. Do you know what I mean? Like as scored, and I think it was Enketier came on, didn't he? He, mm. he scored for them, but you know, it showed that against a, a disciplined, organised side, Arsenal had problems, and we're not going to sit and, and sort of defend in the same way that West Ham will. But I think you know, we, I don't think we'll equally make the same sort of mistakes that we did in the in the Charity Shield. Don't forget the personnel in the Charity Shield. We had Nico Williams playing right back, and he he was he was getting preyed on by a Bamyang. Mm. I'm not really sure that you know we'll make that mistake of, of maybe giving Nico Williams the the, the the go against Arsenal. It's obviously going to be Trent, isn't it? And that gives them a bit more of a headache up that side as well. They've got to be careful that they don't push on too much on the Trent, you know, sort of hurt them going the other way. So I think there's certainly more problems for them to deal with. Probably expect Thiago will start given Henderson's injured, um, which again, you know what I mean, helps us to I think in the control mm-hmm. side of things, um, but. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the centre back position, but certainly think we've got enough to beat Arsenal. You know, I know they got results against us in the Chelsea Shields and, and post lockdown when basically we'd gone on holiday and within our flip flops. You know what I mean? And and they were raving it as if it was some sort of like you know real sort of statement that they beat Liverpool. But you know, we're we're a better side than Arsenal. No two ways about it. Um, and although Arteta is definitely doing good work there, I, I still think we're going to have well too much for them. If I'm honestly. Yeah, no, I agree. So, what are you thinking for the midfield then? Uh, and not only the personnel, but what shape? It's a tough one, isn't it? Because it depends if Fabinho's playing centre-half. Let's assume you know, he is. All right, let's assume he's playing centre-half. I, I think, uh, for me, I think it would be a, a Thiago Wijnaldum. And as much as I don't want to say it, it's probably going to be a cater. Um, mm. Because who else? who else? who else is available? Well, at what, be, point are you, at what point are you going to say throw Curtis Jones in? Like what? What? What more does he have to do, and what more does Cater have to do for for someone make to make that decision? Uh, I, I just don't think it's necessarily the game. I think Jones mm. can be exploit, put him in, you know, and give him a chance against teams that are really going to sit deep and let him sort of, you know, work yeah. them areas between between the defence and midfield. Because that's where he's best. I'm not sure Arsenal's really the game for it. You know they. The midfield that they, it's not, it's not great, but you know they they play three midfielders and and they can get about the pitch and they can, and I'm just not really sure it's the game for him to to sort yeah. of come in. Look, I've been underwhelmed by Cater in the last two games, but he was in form before that. And yeah. what I probably do want to see from Cater is a good run. Let's give him a good run. Yeah. And and you know let, let's before we start trying to bomb him from the team, um, let's give him. You know, ten games, and and then let's make a, a judgment call on, and then. Mm. I think one one thing that I do want to sort of highlight is I think Firmino needs to really book his ideas up as well. I haven't been too impressed with Firmino. I thought we didn't mention it before, but I thought he was anonymous against Chelsea, like literally done nothing. So, you know, we've seen Salah in game one run the show. You know, we get his We've seen Mane run the show game two, get two goals. You want to see Bobby sort of step up and, and you know, and, and really sort of try and make a mark on the game because I think it's been a while since we've said he's, he's absolutely probably Newcastle. I think it was Newcastle away last season when he came on and he was he was boss and it was like, you know, that's what he can do. It's been a while since we've really said that he's ran a game. Do you know what I mean? And literally ran a team ragged. Yeah, because we used to like be pairing off him, didn't we? Like yeah. every two or three games, you know. He just, he's just like, oh, what a player! What, what, what a game he's had there, and it has been a while. I mean, he had, he did set the goal up in the last game and played the one-two in the cross, but it's the game you want. You don't, you don't want him to have a moment. You want him to have a boss game, don't you? And yeah. he's overdue. He's overdue, and 
you know, it, we've we've obviously got Jota in now. Yeah, so it's a bit of, Yeah, so it's a bit of pressure on him. There's a 45 million signing coming in. Can play anywhere across the front three. We can shuffle the pack to put whoever we want in the number nine. So Bobby's got pressure now. And so, yeah, if he, if he doesn't step up, it'll be time. You know, Jota will be coming on. And if Jota makes a big impact, then Firmino's going to find himself maybe on the bench. So so he's, he needs to, you're right, he needs to have a big performance. All right. So what, what are you saying predictions-wise then? Um, I'm 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 happy that our defence is, is nice and tight now. Um, I'd like to see that continue. So I'm going to say two 0 again. Mm. I think I'm going to say three one Liverpool. I think they will score, but I fancy us to, to bang a few. Yeah. Uh, but before we do move on, but you just give us your predictions for the Lincoln Carabao Cup game as well. Yeah, I'll say Liverpool three nil. Four nil. Great. Um, guys, like I said, we're going to do something a little bit different on this show. We appreciate it's been almost 90 minutes of football content, but we've been absolutely slammed with social media questions, both teams flying, and that results in us being very busy, which we love. Um, so we're going to try and get through as many as possible. Phil, I think quick, you've got some questions for us. Those. Yeah, <laughs> it'll have to be quick fire before we lose our listeners. But we'll start with a couple of neutral questions. So this is obviously for all of us. The first one comes from EFC Picks on Instagram. He said, if you had to swap one player from the start and 11 of your team from the other side, who would it be? Banzai. <laughs> Banzai for, for, for any of our centre-backs. Probably, probably... Yeti, Yeti, Mina. Yeti, Mina. See yeah, no, but let's let's assume that that like we're playing our full strength, and it'd probably be Holgate and Keane, wouldn't it? You'd say he comes in for Keane. I mean, there's there's a number you could do. I'll I'll go with that. If, if it wasn't going to go with that, that it, it would have had to be one of the front three for one of our front three. It'd be silly not to. But yeah, I'll go with Virgil Van Dijk with you. Looking at our biggest weakness, it's got to be Van Dijk. Yeah. yeah. Mills can't still can't bring himself to say Allison. I still think she's crap for some reason. There's a mistake in him, as I'm telling you, that's coming. <laughs> so, go on, boys. If you, if you had to take one Everton player from the 11 to replace someone in your 11, who would it be? Well, Phil. <laughs> Lost you there, Phil. Yeah, Phil, I don't know what you've got on mute there. Phil, Phil's in mind at the minute. <laughs> No, he's he's gone. We can see his mouth moving, but he, he doesn't want to, he obviously doesn't want to pick an effort name, does he? I can, I can understand it's an hard job. Uh, oof, it is a tough it's a tough one, you know. Um oh, uh, let me think. Rodriguez for Kaita. Well, yeah, I probably would, but he's only you know, we haven't seen enough of him. Um he could be like Kaita, one he could be a one game job him. You know what I mean? And then be, well, and then be he, crapping he another four or five. He, he scores already, Terry. <laughs> but uh, I, I'd probably say... Oh, so tough. So tough. Uh, <laughs> no chance. Surely it'd be with Charleston or something for like Firmino. If you're going to be pushed. Yeah, p- possibly. Possibly even going to be pushed. Um, or maybe Luca Digne. Because I think he's a good player. You know what I mean? And it's... I think wouldn't, he, he could do like a, his arms too much. He could do a very good job at left back for us. You know, he wouldn't do an Andy Robertson job, but he could do a job. So maybe him. Phil, Phil's still on me. We're in trouble here because Phil's got all the questions. So <laughs> 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 um, we, we apologise. We've got some technical problems. We've lost Phil at the moment. I'll, I'll briefly um, see if I can jump in the inbox and see what questions we've got. We did get a question from one of our friends, Steve, over at Checkfit. And before we do, um, 
go to that question. Just want to thank Steve. It was his idea for the brilliant Merseyside Derby Twitter poll that we had. It was his idea. I've been winding him up lately. I've been winding up by not giving him credit. And he's been texting me saying, where's my credit? But no, stay over at CheckFit. Um, great idea. We benefited from that. And his question is, it's a Liverpool question, Terry. Um, and, and he's basically said that when Liverpool were going for the title, uh, they said players could feel the tension and the nerves from the fans. Klopp stopped it, and then we missed out by a point. There wasn't that feeling at the ground of nerves like when we blew it under Rodgers. Last season, maybe because we're so far clear, there wasn't again. However, do you think defenders are suffering from suffering the worst from no fans? The tension and the nerves from fans seems to switch your defenders on a bit more and make them concentrate more. And he's also pointed that, in his opinion, this season, the defending has been awful. Yeah, well, I mean, in defence, the, the side... No pun intended there, defence. Um, I don't think this season you can say that the, the defence has been awful. I, th- I thought it was very, very, very strong against Chelsea, to be honest. I thought we looked extremely comfortable, you know, and done what we needed to do. Take the point that against Leeds, we looked a bit porous, and in pre-season and at the back end of last season, the defence definitely, definitely wasn't as watertight as it was up to the turn of the year. You know, from around February, he started getting some concerns. about a bit of lackadaisical defending, a bit of slackness and stuff. So, you know, I take the point that we don't. It, it maybe hasn't over a long period looked absolutely rock solid, but against Chelsea, I think it looked fine. Um, but that being said, I, I think defenders do sort of suffer from maybe the crowd not being there. You know, to keep them switched on, especially a Liverpool defence. There's large parts of games where our defenders sometimes aren't doing a lot. You know what I mean? They're not. They're not called on to to, to sort of be needing to do work because a lot of teams will sit back against us and not not sort of. You know, take the game to us, um, and I think that's you know the measure of of the best players like keepers like Allison. You know what I mean? He he sort of stays in the moments when he gets called on after doing nothing for eighty odd minutes. He's still there. I think the defenders haven't really don't really get that luxury as much, but it's still there. But without without fans to sort of keep them on the toes or get the man on shouts and stuff like that, maybe there's just a little bit more of a a slower pace and and a bit of a switch off to to their game. So I think I think defend defenders definitely. You know, probably are being impacted a little bit more by the lack of crowds. Um, but we... do, you, do you know what? As well, I, I think like we forget, or well, certainly a lot of pundits forget, football and all footballers. Well, certainly ninety percent of footballers, even defenders, they, they, they want to get involved in attacks and score goals. And, and football for them as kids was about going and winning games and scoring goals. And I think since since the, the fans haven't been there, I think some footballers. And teams have just recaptured that like enthusiasm for just going and getting involved in a proper end-to-end game of footy. You've seen mm-hmm. it this weekend with five twos. You've seen it with Leeds, four threes. No fans means that you're just getting natural footballers playing their natural game. And when they were kids and, and with the absence of like all the tactical stuff and coaching and with the absence of the pressure of crowds, I think that's brought that out in, in some teams. Forgetting about Liverpool and forgetting about Everton at this moment in time, I think, for me, that, that's what it's about. General. Yeah, good points. Not really thought about it from that angle, but yeah, there might, there might be something in that, definitely. Well, it's definitely turned Michael Keane into Beckenbauer, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a miles yeah. better player with no fans, yeah. Yeah. We'll do one more question each because it has been a, a long show. We, we do thank you for all the messages. We're sorry we can't get to them. But, Judgy, uh, the final blue question. On Instagram, we got asked, Chris Smalling has been rumoured to be available for 12 to £15 million, pounds, coupled with us needing a centre-back. Does that seem a sensible option for you at that price? At that price, it's not a bad option. I mean, but, but then what are we doing? Stockpiling, like, 
has been. Do you know what I mean? It's it's like he got sent to Italy because he couldn't do a job for United, um, and he wasn't considered. I think even in their top four or five defenders, and they're still struggling defensively. So I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think there's better options out there. I want to give Alan a quick mention because it's on the same topic. He's mentioned about us letting the likes of Gibson, Pennington, Connolly go out on loan, um, and he's basically saying. Why don't we just sell them if they're not good enough? Because if they're not good enough to compete in this squad when it's so threadbare at the back, why are we even send them on loan? I think that's a good point as well. Yeah. You've know, seen the Brantway come in, he, he got thrust in and suddenly looks all right. So I think that's a good point from Alan. You know, I think if we're going to be sending defenders out on loan, let's, let's sell them and let's try and get a bit of money for them to, to, to go and buy a defender. But for me, no, I'd say no for Smalling. Um, if it was the last day of the window and we can... We could somehow get a loan deal done, then fine. But I don't want to be signing Smalling on a two or three year contract, paying fifteen million for him, when really he's not good enough. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm back. Phil's <laughs> back. Final red question then. Christoph on the website said, "Are you surprised by the lack of genuine interest in fringe players such as Wilson, Origi, Grewich, Shakiri? Do you think our asking prices are putting suitors off at this time?" Um, I, I'm not sure to be honest. I, I I don't think I'm surprised. I think a lot of teams who would would be the teams that would be sort of interested in them sort of players will be teams that maybe aren't the financial powerhouses. You know, like the biggest, most you know, the teams with all the money. So they're likely to be the ones that are most impacted by the coronavirus stuff. So I think there is an element of you know there'll be a bit of team sort of making sure that the numbers stack up before they go into the market. You know, you've seen the big side spend, but not not necessarily some of the some of the smaller lights. Um I think there's also maybe an element of 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 Liverpool maybe not really engaging with clubs to sell these players until we've got our business done. You know, we're bleating that we haven't got a lot of money to spend. And I think the way we've structured our deal shows that maybe we haven't. So if they go and sell 50, 60 million quids worth of player all of a sudden, clubs are like, well, there's money there. You know, you've just sold players. So maybe, I'm, I maybe might be giving Edwards too much credit, but I think there's an element of, no, we get our business done first, then we'll sell, you know, like, and get it, get what we can then. There's still a lot of time in the window. Um, so I think, I think Liverpool may start to entertain a bit more sense on the valuations now for some of them players. Um, and I think we will start to see some of them go out um, now that we've got the main part of our work done. What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree, Terry. Yeah, like, it wouldn't surprise me at all if that was the plan. Um, certainly wouldn't put it beyond Edwards to think that far ahead. Um, I don't think the valuation's unrealistic, the valuations I've heard, but it's just the timing of it. I think in any other, well, I would say any other year, but I think a couple of years ago or a year ago, I think they're gone. I think £25 million for Wilson and all that is, is the right type of money. Um, obviously, COVID's definitely having an impact, but I do expect business before the fifth of October. Yeah, but it's still quite a long time, isn't it? It's another, it's another fortnight, and you know, normally get a flurry of activity, don't you? So we'll yeah. see. And that—that's all we've got then for the social media this week. No, look, we we got hammered on the on the Twitter at across the park PC. We got hammered on Instagram at across the park PC. We've had Facebook messages at across the park. So, guys, we appreciate them. We're really sorry we can't can't get to them. Um, please resend them next week or, or the same. Any guys who haven't had their questions answered this week, by all means, send them the one next week. Um, I did mention we're doing something different next week. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to sort of split the show into two halves. We're going to have the, the Everton half of the show first. Uh, the Reds will still be here for that, so they'll be giving us 
some battles. If, if we get beat by Crystal Palace, it's it's just going to be first half blue. The second half of the show is going to be be more Liverpool. We're going to concentrate on Liverpool's game at Arsenal and the upcoming fixtures. And myself and Judge will be here as well. And, and you better believe it, we'll, we'll be ready if Arsenal get something at Anfield to, to give it. So it's just a little change of formula we're going to test out. It just may save some listeners because we know there's some listeners out there who Reds who love Phil, Teddy and Gary and, and you know some Blues who like listening to myself, Judge and Craig and they don't necessarily want to listen to the other team and, and skip them through. So it's time to just change up a little bit. It's only going to be a one-week thing for now um, and we're going to see how we get on with that. Um, and we've got something on Saturday quite exciting as a, a new radio station on DAB, Liverpool Live 247. And they're over on DAB and the two great lads, Lee and Gary, do a football show 1pm till 4pm on a Saturday. They're both Reds, so they're looking to have some banter and debate themselves. So, myself and Judge, you want to go down, aren't we, Judge, on Saturday? We are, yeah, looking forward to it. You know, credit the lads and I know the the station itself, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a brilliant one for Liverpool. I know a lot of a lot of listeners are missing the days of juice and, and what Radio City used to be like and they're trying to, those lads are trying to bring that, bring that flavour back to the city and the, you know, the talk elements, obviously, no more talk, you know, no more um, Radio City talk. Radio yeah. City talk, I was say talk sport then. <laughs> no more Radio City talk as well as an absence of that. So, yeah, looking forward to getting back in. We miss our, our Thursday night at, at, you know, at, at Radio City talk. So, looking forward to that on Saturday and having, having a good laugh there. Yeah, I think we're going to be around 2pm to talk Everton. And with those two lads being Reds, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of banter and debate. So we're getting double bubble this week. Uh, guys, we appreciate you you're listening to episode three of Across the Park this season. And I know it's been a long one, but there's been lots to cover. Uh, we appreciate all the support and the listens. The past two the past two shows we've had, that's our highest listener numbers in a while. So hello to all our new listeners. We hope you stick with us. Enjoyed the football this week. We'll be back next week, Monday evening, Tuesday morning. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then.